0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So, hello and welcome back to the new episode of the DNF One F One Podcast. The show where we take all of the latest news gossip and events in the world of Formula One, and we'd like to relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform, of course, you choose to follow us on. And guys, it is the third episode of our new little mini-series that we've started during the summer break, where we talk and celebrate women in motorsport, and for this summer break, we've decided to focus on women content creators, and we're really, really excited to have a very special guest with us, who has achieved so much in such a short time. But before I introduce her, it's the return of my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine, joining us for the first time in the Women in Motorsport series. Courtney, first of all, where have you been, and how are you?
1: Um, I'm doing well. Um, had a little bit of a break. a well needed one, but I'm actually, I actually feel privileged to be a part of this because it's a really good idea. And I just like to thank Kira for coming on because, yeah, it's it's a good idea, and I'm excited to hear um, about your experiences in uh, motorsport.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, uh, guys, if you haven't already checked out the first two episodes that we've recorded, we recorded with Manena, a Girl Talks F1, and Deanna from Relapt as well. So, of course, make sure to check those out if you haven't already. But without further ado, let's introduce our guest. And it's uh, Kira Megan. Kira, first of all, thanks for coming on the DNF1 F1 podcast. How are you doing this evening?
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. I, I'm doing great, actually. How are you?
0: Yeah, absolutely good. Thank you so much. And uh, of course, you know, for those of you who don't know Kira, of course, Kira has been on the YouTube space for a little while now. Of course, she has her own channel and she's very much a big part of the F-Series. So of course, if you haven't checked out the F-Series, it's a really, really great channel uh, with Kira, of course, and some of her co-hosts, Steph, Dorney and Charlotte as well. So definitely recommend checking that out. And Kira, I suppose it's a good place to start with the F-Series, if I may. Um, How did that all begin? Because I think it's quite interesting that I've never really seen uh, a quartet or a group of women like yourselves that have set up a channel or a podcast etc to talk about motorsport in general it's quite rare so how did that all begin for you
2: So it began just over a year ago we it was kind of the spike of formula content creators and we all got put into a group chat so it was you know men and women everybody was put into this group chat but the first girls that came in there's originally five of us so we made our own little girl chat you know away from the boys we had a little girl chat and we just clicked so instantly like it was just an instant connection and then it was around the time that Alonzo got re-signed to Renault so we were like right should we just do a video about this? We literally, the next day, we hopped onto a Zoom call. If you look at the first video, which is on my channel, it's it's horrific quality. We just uploaded it. We were like, what should we do? Add had a couple of cars around the side. It was not great. But we just had a chat about Alonzo coming back. And from then we thought, right, what should we call ourselves? What should we do? And then we then, then we invited Steph onto the channel because she came a little bit later. And we were like, you know, we're all friends with Steph. She's the only person that's not in this group. Um, so then Steph joined us. And yeah, we then started just talking everything about motorsport that we could maybe think of that might be interesting stuff that we all want to talk about. We started rotating it between our channels. And then in January, we thought it doesn't make sense for us to keep doing this. We need our own channel. So from January, we had the F-Series channel. And yeah, every Friday we upload another video. Sometimes we do games. Sometimes we do serious talk sometimes we do predictions so it's just so fun to be with a group of girls that we are genuinely friends with like we talk to each other non-stop probably too much um and we get to work together we get to have fun together and yeah that's just kind of a series we just thought let's have a chat about Alonso and it went from there.
0: I mean, that sounds fantastic, and I I like the way that you mention, obviously, it's a friendship group. You all just come together to start talking about Formula 1 and think, hey, this could actually be a good show. We should do something like this, and I mean, to be honest, it's risen quite emphatically. I mean, you guys have got nearly 1,500 subs in such a short time. You're doing really, really well, and I've checked out a few episodes, and I think it's great, so I definitely recommend... For those of you who haven't checked out the F series, definitely check them out and give them a subscribe as well. Let them know that I'm, actually a, I'm actually a
1: subscriber. I'm actually subscriber. You are? Wow. No, I'm, I'm one of I'm one of the OGs.
2: You're the OGs. Wow! <laughs> Special <laughs> shout out for you next video.
1: Well, this is quite a, I remember that. Yeah,
0: this is yeah. quite a big moment for then for you, Courtney, because obviously you get to cool. meet uh yeah, well, so, yeah, meet an idol, I suppose, if you like, or not too. Oh, yeah, that's it. I've completely Keep embarrassed.
1: Keep it humble, Adam. Keep it humble. I'm
0: trying. I just couldn't find the right word. Do you know when your mind just <laughs> turns to just mush? Comes out. Yeah. yeah. That's the first thing I could think of, Kira. So, you know, take right. that for what it's worth. I'll take
2: it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, no, it's obviously a really, really great concept. And as I said, I like the friendship element to it because we can relate. When we started the channel back in, I think it was February last year, Courtney and I have known each other since our school days that long ago. And I think mm-hmm. Formula One and motorsport in general – was kind of one of the big foundations our friendship was based on. And obviously we decided eventually we should do something like this. We did. And you're talking about your first episode. We had little cars and that in the in the background. And obviously you were cringing about how it looked. You should have seen ours. I mean, it was literally just a still image of a leaflet that I had made that I planned to hand out to loads of people where events relating to cars. And then the pandemic Adam, hit. Still,
1: Adam, I still have a thousand leaflets in my locker at work. Yeah. Oh, no. A thousand leaflets.
0: Yeah, we printed oh. so many, and the pandemic hits was like, great, we're not going to be able to turn up and hand people leaflets because they all think they've got COVID on them. So uh, Yeah,
2: they would be like, no thanks.
0: Well, it'd be one way to remember us, although I would never endorse that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it, it was just really awkward That's at the unique.
2: time. That's unique. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean. I've not seen that one before.
0: No, and uh, hopefully never again by the sounds of it. But uh, yeah, it's although just. No,
2: they're stuck in his locker. <laughs> yeah.
1: Gathering dust.
0: Yeah, uh, God knows where mine are. I've got like a few thousand more. I have no idea where they are. I'm going to have to dig wow. them out at some point. But um, yeah, obviously, you know, it's a fantastic series, the F series. So definitely recommend that, guys. But um, I mean, obviously, all four of you, you all have your own channels. So, I mean, is there an ultimate goal for the four of you collectively together? Something perhaps like the women version of the Sidemen, for example, or do you all have your own aspirations?
2: We do take a lot of inspiration from the Sidemen, actually. I think we always, obviously, the Sidemen are, the lead UK YouTubers. I don't think there's any yeah, question about agreed. that. Yeah, And they're always, you know, one step ahead of everybody else. So we always look at what they do and we think we could put an F1 spin on that. And that's how some of our kind of game related videos come about. We actually look at the, we basically steal it from the side. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we do think of what they've done and we thought we could easily make this a bit like more motorsport related. But I mean, we've all got individual goals, definitely. You know, Dorney is into law, Steph is into presenting, me and Charlotte are into more like social media type of things um so we've all got individual aspirations but we all still share the same aspiration with f-series and i think we're quite good at multitasking so we're quite good at having aspirations for different things we've got the individual aspirations that we want to do for ourselves and our careers but also we know that there's a great thing going with f-series and we want to build that up as much as we can so in terms of f-series we just want to try and get our name up there as much as possible you know um me and charlotte work on the social media side of things so we try really hard on our twitter to push ourselves out there you know do things that is going to get people's attraction and then, you know, roll on from there onto the YouTube channel where Dawny and Steph will edit them. So we've got a really good system going with the four of us and we we haven't got any like main goal. Um, We just want to push our name out there. We just want to break barriers and we just want to have fun, really.
0: Well, I think that's the most important thing, breaking barriers and having fun because I've mentioned this to my two other guests uh, in the previous episode. There's always been that stigma that motorsport and formula one of course has been a bit of a gentleman's club or a boys club where there's not been too much involvement from women other than a media capacity and the best thing about stuff like the f-series and you know your channel and some of the other channels that we're seeing now the huge influx of women content creators is now that stigma doesn't really exist and that there needs to be more opportunities available to encourage women that have an interest in motorsport to you know realize the sky's the limit go for it you know if you want to be a driver be a driver. you want to be a presenter be a presenter you know and that's kind of the best thing you know not just for obviously this generation but for the ones coming through so you know I'm definitely always going to encourage and endorse that because I've always found from experience that when you see women pundits or women drivers there's always the assumption that they have to work twice as hard um, because if they make a mistake then there's always more risk attached to that Do, do you feel that that's probably accurate?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, I can't speak from a perspective. Well, I guess I can sometimes. Um, Take, for example, a pundit like Rachel Brooks. I'm sure if she made a mistake the same as Simon Lazenby, I think that wouldn't be an issue. But I think Mm. if you look at a social media aspect, say if Rachel or Natalie were to be making mistakes that, say, Crofter used to do a lot in the commentary (laughs) box, I'm sure that they would get 10 times as much stick because they go, oh, why is there a female in that? I remember Claire Cottingham, the lovely Claire, she'd done the W Series commentary uh, in the first year, and she'd done that alongside David Coulthard, and she got so much stick for no reason doing that, and it's just because, you know, they're picking up on the female. You know, David Coulthard, he didn't get any stick in that commentary box. It was just Claire. And, you know, there is still that stigma around it, and obviously we see it more because we're on social media. That's something that we're on every single day. So you do definitely see it, but, I mean... I don't know about more because obviously I feel like I am one of a couple of female content creators but I never knew of any before me basically so it's not like I can be like oh well I looked up at that person and I knew that they had stick because I never saw any other females I think apart from like Jess who was with WCF1 at the time so it's difficult for females but I think as long as you're headstrong and you carry on doing what you're doing then they'll end up getting bored and they'll find something else to learn about. <laughs>
0: Yeah no you're absolutely right and you know I was going to mention Jess because she was one of the first ones that I'd come across as well and it's it's great that there's so many more now coming through and, and you're absolutely right I do feel that in other sports as well um you know Ra- Rachel does a great job with Sky obviously you mentioned um uh you, you mentioned Simon Lazenby is a good example David Coulthard for example if they do make those mistakes that sometimes they just wash over and the amount of mistakes Crofty makes I mean in a way, there's that lovable part about Crofty that Murray Walker also had as well, that, you know, they can make mistakes, but sometimes they're remembered more for them in a positive manner, whereas if it was a woman presenter or a woman commentator, you're pretty sure those of easily triggered idiots will come out with their pitchforks and torches saying, that you're crap, you know, get off the TV because they just don't want to see a woman on coverage, which is mad. Um, Courtney, we have a lot of experiences like this uh, as football fans as well, and um, Kirob, I'm sure, as a... You're a Norwich City fan, if I remember you saying once on your uh, Q and A blog I've done my research, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong.
2: Try me. I, I, I am. I, I'm not massively into football, but I'm going to try and get into it a little bit more this year. Um, and obviously, Nor- Norwich is where I live, so I feel obliged a little bit. I know they're not the best, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to try and enjoy football this year. I enjoy it alone, but yeah, Norwich fan, I guess.
0: Yeah, you probably enjoy it this season more than I certainly will. But, um, uh, you know that that's left said. Less of that said, the better.
1: Okay, but,
0: we won. <laughs> <laughs> it's too depressing being an Arsenal fan, honestly, these days. But Courtney,
1: uh, European football isn't for everyone.
0: Yeah, well. yeah, we're taking a year off. But uh, Courtney, obviously, <laughs> on the uh, subject of obviously, we were talking about women representatives in football. I think uh, Alex Scott, great example. Yes, absolutely. Um, did a great job with football, great job in the Olympics. Um, and, you know, she was part of a number of women. I think there was, I can't remember what game it was. I think, the, but we had a all the panellists were women, um, including the presenter. And I remember seeing so many negative comments. Nothing to do with the, what they knew or what they were talking about. Just as a thought, loads of people saying, oh, I want to throw in my scar subscription or whatever, because it's all full of women. It's getting crazy. Like, I mean, is that just, I mean, Kira, for you, how does that sound when you come across comments like that
2: it's just so I just don't understand it because I would never sit on my tv when there's Karin Chandok, Simon Lazenby, David Croft, Johnny Herbert and be like oh my god look at all these men like I don't I don't even think I really see gender like that like I don't think I'm looking at them thinking you're a man you're a woman you're a man you're a woman but for some reason when the roles are reversed the men are always looking out like how many females are and other men, and it's weird to me because I just don't see that. I'm not looking for that. I'm there for the entertainment. I'm not looking for how many women are there, how many men are there. So for me, it's just really it's weird. And I remember I think it was Alex Scott that got some stick on Twitter because she the way she pronounces her words, That's she said, right yeah. she said swimming rather than swimming. And someone made a massive deal about it. And she was like, No, I'm proud. This is how I speak. This is you know. How, how i've been brought up and this is you know where i where i come from this is how i speak and it's just like i look at that and i think how, who is even sitting there picking up on that and then thinking i'll tweet that at her like it's just crazy and i just you don't really see it with to the men like and i i don't i don't think you should see it for anybody but it's just like why is it always the women? why are you always picking on them you know
0: i mean not to pry too much but i mean do you get that in some form in terms of feedback on your content do you get any idiots coming in and saying stuff like that or harassing you for, for lack of a better way putting it
2: I've always said that I've been quite lucky with stuff that I you know I haven't got too many say hate comments and I know a lot of other other female creators or groups do get probably more than myself an f-series but I definitely feel like the I mean huge my youtube space is very positive Um, I would say the worst one is TikTok because I think TikTok can just reach most people that you don't know. So if you get a TikTok that might go somewhere... Or reach people you don't know you will get some horrible comments and if you're a female on that platform that make a tiktok about landon norris or george russell like you're going to get so many comments which are like oh you don't watch it for this you only watch it for the drivers whatever so i would probably say tiktok and twitter i do get some comments here and there but overall i feel day to day i feel quite lucky that i don't have too many people like coming at me attacking me because i genuinely don't think i really put a foot wrong in the sense that i don't say anything that might Cause someone to say something if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I don't really share. I think I share, I will share an opinion on a YouTube video, but in terms of Twitter, I've just learned not to really voice my opinion or create a debate because it's not worth it. I don't want to debate with F on Twitter, quite literally. So I just go on there to have some fun. And I think then you don't gain any attraction from the negative people, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. I mean, obviously, you know, Courtney and I. We don't really get too much negative feedback. We do get a few people that say, "Oh, it's, you're a bit biased about certain characters."
1: Yeah, it's when we mention Lewis Hamilton. So if we do a video about Lewis Hamilton, it, you're always bound to upset somebody. So usually, if we bring up anything to do with because so we, we we did a video before, like asking you know, why does Lewis divide the opinion, and it just seems that anything that we said, it always seems that we upset somebody. So there are some topics it seems like you yeah. can't touch without upsetting people.
2: Mm, I get that. And I think when I sit and plan videos, I actually look back at my channel and I thought there must be a reason here why I have not done a video about Lewis. And I I actually avoid Lewis, which is something I never wanted to say I wanted to do because he was the guy that got me into the sport. He's the person that I support. You know, I'm open to saying that, but it's, he's never somebody that I tweet about. He's not really somebody I do a YouTube video about, which in hindsight might be good because it might get you some more views because people want to click on it. But in terms of that's just not really how I roll. And I, I, I get worried to post a video about him because I'm scared of the negative comments that I might get. So I just tend to avoid him, which is a shame because I don't want him to you know, have a negative spin in my brain. But sometimes I think it's just not worth it.
0: No, absolutely. And I think someone who divides opinion as much as Lewis Hamilton does for right or wrong reasons. It's so hard to plan and make content when you feel like that's a buzzword that you kind of have to avoid to avoid any negative feedback. Um, I mean, speaking of comments, do you often read the comments or the feedback on your videos? Uh, Because I can imagine sometimes... Not necessarily directed at you, but there might be some negative back and forth between people that are having a bit of a war of their own in the comment section.
1: Oh, we get that a lot. Mm. <laughs> we <laughs> they, do. Once yeah. they
2: start, they don't. They don't stop, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I've, when I first upload a video I will make sure I probably check the comments in the next like 24 hours because I want to make sure that I'm not just ignoring anybody because if you go on my channel and you see that I've not answered any comments for the last like four videos no one's going to want to comment anymore they're going to want to they're going to want my feedback from their feedback and I get a lot of good comments at the start um but then from then I don't actually have notifications on on my phone so I won't get a notification for your comment off unless I manually check it so probably after about 24 hours i won't see your comment and then once i upload another video that would then overlap the other one so if someone's commenting on a video like four months ago i won't i won't see it so i there probably there's probably loads of them i haven't seen so people might be arguing sometimes people are argue under my tweets a little bit and i'm like can you just take this somewhere else because you're clogging my mentions this is under my tweet I'm not interested I'm really just someone that's not really too interested in the debating it's really not something that interests me I'm just here to have fun and watch Formula One and make friends and people to enjoy my content so people do argue they do like to have an argue but I tend to just tell them to get on with it and go somewhere else.
0: yeah i think i can relate to that to some degree i mean i used to have my notifications turned on for uh you know comments on the youtube videos it's obviously we don't have as many subs as you but you know sometimes when you get a certain amount of comments on a video it's like oh god you, you know you check your phone to see, oh someone's messaged me whatever and it's just someone else having a dig at a comment or something or whatever and it's like i think Courtney, we had on one video we had like a back and forth it was like 100 comments and it was literally two That's guys right. arguing about the max versus lewis incident at silverstone oh. and i kid you not Half of those comments was one guy just saying, have you seen the thumbnail? Have you seen the thumbnail? Have you seen the thumbnail? Just because the guy kept saying, oh, um, Lewis didn't go into Max on purpose or Max turned in on him. And the guy just said, have you seen the thumbnail? And obviously the thumbnail we had was- Didn't like, your brother yeah,
1: weigh in? I he, swear your brother weighed into it.
0: Yeah, I told him not to because my brother just <laughs> winds people up. He does it for a laugh. He's like, yeah, there's no malintent involved at all, Kira, but it's just like, I just want to have a laugh and wind them up. And that's what he did. He was yeah. bored for a couple of hours, so that's how he spent his afternoon that day. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like he's, he's mad. Um, yeah, he's he's a very uh, interesting person, my brother. He's got his own show where he talks about Liverpool. So, uh, of course, if, for those of you interested, 1892 Reds podcast, great Liverpool podcast. And no, he hasn't paid me to endorse him on this, but anyway, check that out if you're interested. But um, obviously, with your channel, uh, Kira, um, I'm quite interested to sort of learn about how that all began because... Am I right in saying that it originally wasn't a motorsport channel? It was to do with uh, beauty products or, or a beauty channel?
2: Yeah, it was. So as soon as I left school, I was just 16 and I knew I wanted to do YouTube. And I was like, right, let's start my channel. So I kind of just done, I guess, kind of generic YouTube. I done some makeup videos. I done some blogs. I done just kind of things like that and like some love island videos you know just like a generic kind of youtube lifestyle type thing and i've probably done that for maybe a year i wasn't too consistent and i think it got to summer 2019 and it got to the point where i was hating youtube like it was such a chore for me i hated filming i hated editing i had no motivation for it and at that time, I was like, I'm just going to need to take a break for it. I don't even know if I even done any videos throughout like the winter of 2019. And I kind of knew from probably like October, November onwards, I was like, I'm going to switch this to motorsport. I knew nobody. The only group I knew was WTF1. I didn't know. I knew that there was other people around afterwards. Like I knew that Josh Reva was around, um, but I didn't know him of the time. Like I'm even now I'm not too clued up with YouTubers like I really should be. Um, so anyway, I just knew WTF1 and I was like, you know what? I want to do that so I swapped myself around over the new year period and then I came back in February 2020 to do a predictions video for F1 I thought let's just start it with that start my predictions and then I just loved it from there and I built myself up I kept going and then probably like April time was when things picked up a little bit I think it picked up quite quickly like in terms of people recognised and I got a following you know quicker um obviously it's not the quickest but I feel like I've done quite well to solidify myself within the community um and yeah I've just kept going till then and there's never a point where I've thought I'm bored of this now which is crazy to me because I you know with how I felt before I was like maybe I'll feel like this again like maybe I'll get to a point again where I'm like uh I don't want to do this anymore but because motorsport has just turned into my life it's so easy and it just flows to me so yeah then it's just been weekly uploads since then
0: And obviously you are a big motorsport fan of course obviously now that you've moved over to having your channel purely about motorsport I mean from what I remember you saying before you obviously a big fan of F1 you love the feeder series F2 F3 Formula E of course and so many other series I mean Mm. I I said this to Diana and I'll probably say the same to you the best way I can sum up your content is that it's a woman talking about anything that you can race and has an engine with it is that is that accurate?
2: yeah I think so I think I'm not somebody that's very picky with the series I watch I remember we had a question in a Q&A that we done for F series and it was like if you could kick out one se- series what could you what which one would you pick and I remember Charlotte picked Formula E I think Steph picked IndyCar and I was like honestly I don't know there's not a series that I dislike you know as long as this car's racing I love it you know and I've I, I got to the point where I was watching too many series. So there's a couple that I've kind of dipped a little bit, obviously, because I'm picking up more work now. In the last year, it's been more difficult to kind of keep up with them. But oh, I've watched everything. MotoGP, DTM, all the feeder series. I keep going every year, I feel like I'm going lower and lower with the feeder series. Like I'm going <laughs> to watch Carton before you know it. Um, but I love it. I love it. I want not change it for the world. And I'm so proud to have got so many other people into like Formula Two and Formula Three. Like over the last year, I feel like I should have been paid from them because I'm pushing this series way too much <laughs> because it's just great racing. And I want to make sure that everybody else can experience that as well. So yeah, anything with an engine, whether it's electric or not. I, I love it.
0: Well, you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Sorry, miss my words there. If mm-hmm. uh, you see a young blonde woman standing at your local karting track, it's Kira and Megan trying to scout out the t- next generation of talent. So
1: uh, <laughs>
0: you got to get in there first. A second, yeah.
1: We've got a second. We said about um, F two and F three. I think if you're into Formula One, you're really missing out if you don't watch because you're right. Some of racing is is brilliant, and I think if you're a Formula One fan, you should really get into the, the Junior Series as well, because it's a big part. And it also, obviously, you know, a lot of the drivers that we have today have, have come through. I think like George Russell, Lando Norris, in particular, I remember the season they were in um, F2 and it was, a, it was a great season. And yeah. I, I actually sort of knew Lando even before then. So it's nice to see them come through and then become like the big stars that they are today.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's so good. And I think it, it gets you more involved because I think if you're just a Formula One fan and then every year you're getting rookies come up but you don't know about them you know you don't know anything about them and I feel like you'd just be more connected even if you're not watching the F3 step of it as long as you're kind of with the F2 step of it you'll get the general gist of these drivers are coming up these drivers might not be these drivers are kind of staying around so I always urge people to watch Formula Two and everyone loves it so far I've not had a negative feedback from my my suggestions.
0: No, no, absolutely. And of course, um, I'm curious to ask because obviously you're very much embedded and involved in, you know, enjoying the feeder series and obviously seeing the next generation of drivers coming up. Is there any driver in particular that you could pick out from F2 or F3 or maybe even lower than that, that does excite you as a potential mega, mega talent, perhaps the next Max Verstappen or, or Lewis Hamilton, if you like?
2: Oh, see, it's so difficult because you could pick out some, I can pick out someone from their talent, but then it's like, whether you get into a driver academy, then when you're in one, are they going to be able to bring you up? Um, I've always got, I've always um, backed Gabriel Minnie, who is a very talented driver. Um, He is coming up the ranks. There's people like, I mean, I really back Oscar Piastri. I think he's a really good talent, but obviously then it's like, well, can I see Alpine really helping him step up as I could? So it's really difficult. I feel like as much as you can find a great talent, it's like, can they actually have the backing to bring themselves up? Um, but yeah, I'd probably say at the moment, Oscar Piastri and then there's Gabriel Mini, um, who's in Freca. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's. I mean, that's really impressive because I didn't realise your feeder interest had gone that far low. I mean, obviously, he's just started out in open wheel racing. So, yeah, definitely yes. have to keep an eye on Gabriel Minnie because um, I've heard the name. I've seen him a few times and he definitely does look a promising talent. Yeah. Um, I'm me personally, I'm pretty excited to see what happens. As you you mentioned, Oscar Piastri. I'm quite interested in Teo Porcher as well. Um, I I think absolutely. I think he's going to be mega if he goes in Formula One. And Who knows? He might end up in there next season. Maybe if uh, Fred Vassour takes a risk on him with the Sauber program, of course, that's certainly worth to keep an eye on. But, um, on the subject obviously we talked about him briefly earlier and I'm, I am interested in this because I've sort of heard the story from your channel but I feel like you would tell it a lot better than I would. Okay. And I think you'll know where I'm going with this. Um, you've actually met Lewis Hamilton haven't you?
2: Yes I have.
0: So <laughs> uh, yeah. That one? <laughs> please do because I feel like for benefit of our audience and of course those that haven't heard this story it is Quite a funny story, uh, the way that you tell it. Uh, the first time, of course, <laughs> that you've met him, I'm pretty sure the second one probably follows on from that quite nicely. But yeah, please, please do.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me try and shorten it then. So, to to summarise it, I guess I. So there's a there's an Instagram or Twitter page called Team LH, and I was following it a couple of years ago. This must have been like three years ago. I can't remember what year it was that I met him. I want to say 2018, 2019, 2018. 2018 i met him so this was 2018 and tmlh were like send us some videos about um how much you know you like lewis just kind of a general clip and obviously i had my vlogging camera then because i was i was doing youtube then so obviously I, i guess i kind of had better quality than other people and obviously i'd done it landscape and i simply just sent in a video i can't even remember what the video was and i was like lewis is this blah 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 it was a short clip and didn't hear anything back I just thought oh they're just going to put it into like a little montage and just put it out so I thought brilliant nice thing to do and then I went to Silverstone and on the Saturday I got an email bearing in mind I was going on holiday I think like the Tuesday or something so I really didn't have much for turnaround time and I had an email from Team LH and they know like we loved your video so much it was really great put together I love the quality the editing um, they were like Lewis has got some tickets that he's given to us to give out to his audience or followers um, for his tommy hilfiger launch which was the monday or the tuesday i can't remember which one it was the day before i was then on holiday um, so he was like uh they were like i would love for you to go sorry at short notice so i don't know if i was a second choice here or whether they were just giving them out late but i didn't mind at that point i was like right i need to get out of silverstone i need to then go home then i need to get to london it was quite a bit of a stretch but i thought no i'm definitely going to do this so then the monday or the tuesday i made my way up to, down to london i went with my uncle I was really not sure what to expect. I was like, I don't know how many people are going to be in this Tommy Hilfiger shop. I don't know, really know what this launch is going to be. Obviously, I knew about the clothing line. I knew about what he was doing, but I didn't know what to expect. Got the lovely wristband, went in and we waited for ages for him. Like I just remember kind of standing around feeling a little bit out of place because it was very posh. Um, and then we all waited at the stage. We had a couple of other VIP guests which were there on the panel with him. I actually filmed it, which was quite interesting. Because when I look back, I'm like, I can't remember me being like that. But I was there. Then Lewis came out. He was probably only out there for about 20 seconds. And he done like an interview type thing. I did annoy him. I'm very sure I annoyed him. Because this was at the time he was trying to hide his song with Christina Aguilera. But I decided to shout it at him. Oh, it
0: no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, di- you didn't.
2: I did. Well, he said, after racing, I want to go into music. And I was like, you, you just had a song come out. So I was like, Pipe, XNDA, that's you. <laughs> at the time he was like really trying to hide it like he only came out with this like a couple of months ago and he was like what was that and I said it again well it was so funny and he was like oh and then tried to carry on and Nick Grimshaw was next to him and he was like oh I know what you're saying like to me and Lewis was like not having it so I probably annoyed him there so apologies (laughs) for that one um but he probably only stood on the stage for like 20 minutes had a little chat and then people start queuing up because they knew where he was going to leave and i was at the back of this queue and i was like i'm just i'm gonna have to try and get a picture with him i would love a picture with him and i was like at the end of this queue and he's about to get pulled away from security and i was like lewis quick sorry can i just have a picture so he quickly stopped for my picture and then legged off and i've just i didn't see him again that day so we finished up this event went home um so that was the main event of how i met lewis Hamilton, really i mean i did meet him again the next year but that was just to i kind of threw my hat at him at silverstone and i was like can you sign this please Um, And he done that. So yeah, that's kind of my story. I was very lucky to get invited to this Tommy Hilfiger event. And I got a picture of Lewis, which I've actually got framed up on my wall up there. And that's the weird story. I guess it's not a Grand Prix like people normally expect them to be. But it was a lovely little time that we had. And he's a great guy.
0: I mean, to be fair, that's probably a better story than most people have when they meet Lewis yeah. at Gromberg. I met him at the paddock. He was just passing by. Like you actually, well, made the guy probably feel awkward, for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. I, I'm kind of imagining a scenario in the future. If you become, the say, an F1 presenter or working F1, you're on the grid, you know, doing the Martin Brundle grid walk. Um, and, you know, Lewis Hamilton, he's still there in his 50s because vegan diets do wonders for you. Um and, you know, you literally bump into him, interview, and then he looks at you, probably gives you a weird look and like, where do I know you? And then no. you just go, XNDA, pipe.
2: <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> <Yeah. "It's> you. <laughs> You've given me nightmares for four years.
0: <laughs> I would never wear Tommy Hilfiger again because of you. No. <laughs> oh, Honestly,
2: it, he gives a look, which I didn't know whether it was kind of, he gives this look of like. I know you, but like you're weird. And it's a really weird look. But I have realised he does do it to everyone, so it isn't just me. But when he first done it to me, I was like, oh, I panicked. And I was like, Oh my god, does he recognise me? But he does do it to a lot of people. I found especially Rachel Brooks, he does it too in the paddock So it's it wasn't just me.
0: Well, maybe they all have their own backstory as to why that happens. And Lewis collectively yeah. remembers every single person doing something similar to you or something like that. Or, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he makes that face.
0: No, absolutely. But no, that is such a funny story. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it could be worse. You could be joining as part of Max Verstappen's entourage just to get your own back on him.
2: Well, yeah, it could be, but I've stuck with it.
0: <laughs> Start triggering people in the comments. It's going to be a nightmare trying to refill that. Yeah,
1: don't do that, Adam. Don't do no, it. <laughs> I mean,
0: I've never tried to. I've, I've got orange been 50... on. Oh, I'm God.
2: the Orange Army. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might have to use a chroma key and use a different effect to change the color of that to green or something. <laughs> Actually, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, obviously, of course, you know, been very much involved in. Um, obviously, with the F series, I think uh, you and Steph, I think you mentioned as well, you went to a Formula E race. I think it was the London E Prix. I think you remember, right? Um, I mean, what was that like? That must have been pretty fun.
2: Wow, it was it was incredible. I mean, formerly haven't been to London for a good couple of years now, um, and we were all invited, and it was it was amazing because it was a closed event, and obviously, it was an inside and outdoor event as well, and we were re- we didn't know until like four days before we had to go down left three days we'd been put in for the media accreditation but you, we just didn't get a reply for ages and we're like oh I guess we're not going so obviously they made a decision really last minute for having fans there as well so we didn't know whether we were just going to try and get a ticket maybe just sit in a grandstand bomb we wanted to do some work there we really wanted to get involved with the media side and we got our media passes through so yeah that was just incredible I mean it's really good with me I mean they always say for is such a family like the paddock you know, everybody is friendly with everybody. There's nothing like, I guess, how the Formula One paddock probably is. And it really was how it was. I mean, I knew some people anyway. Um, I know Jack Nichols. I know Darren. So I know a lot of the team that kind of work with it. And yeah, it was so great to be there. It was just good to... It was good to experience and kind of not have fans of in a way so I could kind of gauge where I was a little bit more. I could sit in a grandstand as well, which wasn't really that busy. But yeah, it was so good to work there. I got great content. You know, I was pushing out Twitter content. I was pushing out TikTok content. But at the same time, I was kind of just enjoying myself, looking at myself around the palette, obviously speaking to everybody as well, introducing myself. It was great. I I love Form Me so much. I know it's a very touch and go subject for a lot of people and a lot of people don't like it. But I really, really love it. And to see them in person and to hear them, I mean, they don't sound bad, can I just say, for everybody say they sound, they sound probably worse on TV than they do in person, that like they really weren't that bad. Um, it was great. It was magical. I really, I, I just loved it. That's all I can say. I really loved it.
0: Well, I can imagine that, you know, obviously you're listening to the drivers in, you know, so many interviews that they have to do all the time. And sometimes they're not the best timed, considering what goes on during the race. And Well, obviously what you hear on team radio, of course, nobody's going to sound overly excited or overly happy to talk to someone if their race isn't going well and they're trying to concentrate doing the speeds that even they do at Formula E, which is, you know, I think that has to be said because I think a lot of people get a negative opinion. I mean, if we all thought that way, then why would we always love and appreciate someone like Kimi Raikkonen who from someone outside Formula One, you'd think, oh God, he doesn't sound like a fun person yet. I would absolutely love to interview Kimi just because it would be the shortest interview ever, but it'd be brilliant.
2: It would. I mean, the dry, I mean, we, when we went to the media pen, we had, you know, full access to interview them. I was the camera lady while Steph interviewed. And to be honest, the drivers don't want to be there. I can say that now. They don't want to be there. They'll stand chatting to each other. They'll turn their backs on you like they don't really want to be there. But once you get one of their attention, they will answer you. They'll give you some good answers, you know. And they were they were really good. They were really comfortable. Uh, they were just chilling walking around everywhere there's no like again there's no barriers between them I think because it's probably because it's not as high profile as Formula One they don't walk off you know on a scooter or have six bodyguards or whatever you know they're just walking around they're walking to like behind this pen and it was great to interview them and you know we tried to pick the drivers that maybe had a good race but you know, you can tell the ones that were more emotional because they don't want to speak to you as much and they look like they're in a mood. But again, that's what's, I would be that emotional too if I'd had a bad race. But yeah, overall, I think once you get talking to them, they were really, um, really good and they answered all Steph's questions. So, yeah.
0: Were there any highlights or any in particular that you enjoyed meeting or talking to when you were there?
2: Um, I think, oh, I love talking to all of them. I'm really bad at picking like who I like talking to the most um I think they were all really great I think Antonio Felix da Costa I think has a really warm energy around him there's something about him that just felt very comfortable um I think another highlight for me was doing a hot lap um I'd done a hot lap I was sitting in the media center just finished practice I was editing a tiktok um a lovely Anna who is head of comms she was like do you want to do a hot lap I was like okay so I went around with a safety car driver and that was that was crazy because I think you don't realize how fast they're going until you're actually in the situation and my god my stomach was going like upside down and inside out and everything and the lap was over before I knew it but it was great and it was good to go around the track seeing what the drivers go through so they're probably my main highlights but just having a good time and spending time and seeing what it's like to maybe work in Formula E one day or experience the paddock you know I think all of it was just a very good weekend.
0: No, it sounds fantastic. And I'm tempted to ask because I'm curious on this because I watched the race. I, I, I was terrible. Like, I, Obviously, I wanted to get tickets for the event, but I think I had something come up and then plans got cancelled. And by the time I wanted to sort myself out, I couldn't go, so I had to watch it on TV. But what did you make of the Lucas Degrassi pit incident? Did you think that that was r- fair to give him a drive through penalty? Or were you like me and thought that was absolute genius? They should give him the win for that.
2: So this is, this is what I'm annoyed about because I was in front of his garage and I missed it. How I missed it? I must have been talking. We all, we were sitting, there was like six of us. We were all in front of his garage. We didn't see this man do this. And bear in mind, I I was in the grandstands opposite the pit lane. We just missed him do it. So then we looked at the TV screen. We're like, oh my gosh, what's he just done? How is he P1? We must have been having a little natter because it was a safety car. and We didn't expect him to do it. Honestly, I don't know the rule book inside out. So I can't tell you whether... If I was to look at it, obviously I'd be able to say, ah, oh, you've kind of played with that a little bit or you haven't. I think it was great. We had a great laugh when he'd done it. I thought it was hilarious, you know, that he'd done it. But I think I think soon after we kind of realised oh, that's probably outside of the rules, isn't it? But again, I don't know what the rule book exactly says. If it's not clear, then I think maybe you should have had it. But judging by the steward's decision, I think probably it, it wasn't like what he should have done but we had some great memes from it i don't know if you saw alan whitnish was running down the pit lane
0: i did yeah funny
2: very funny we had a great laugh so honestly it was a bit of entertainment really lucas always loves to provide us a bit of entertainment um so i don't really have an opinion i guess it's whatever the stewards say and whatever's in that rule book um but it was it was entertainment
0: yeah, I think my personal favourite meme I saw from Alan McNish running down, because as soon as I saw him do it, I thought someone is gonna go out there on social media <laughs> and write, oh, like uh, babe, I can't come over I'm watch I'm managing formulae, oh my parents aren't home and then you've got Alan McNish just running down the paddock. That's the one I expected as soon as I saw that, because it's just it's written for you. Um, but yeah i mean that's the best part i think of social media i think with f1 and other motorsports it's just there's so much more meme content now i mean do you feel obviously as involved as social media as you are obviously for your own channel when fc's as well that there is definitely a niche there for channels or content creators that if you are good at handling the social media element whether it's memes or informative or just general chat that that leveling engagement can really help your channel grow
2: massively absolutely massively I can't I can't describe to you how much social media is important to the job role and I think without sounding big headed I think it's something that's probably propelled me a little bit over other people because I think a lot of people will focus just solely on their YouTube content whereas I want to make sure that everything every part of my social media aspect whether it's TikTok whether it's Twitter that they all align and they've all got a lot of content I go as far as to say I'm on Twitter too much now I think I got into it a little bit too much (laughs) um but it's great because now I feel like I've built myself a platform up on everything and I think there's some YouTubers that I know of in the community they've got like 30 40k subscribers but they've not even got a thousand twitter followers i would rather know that i have got a platform everywhere and that i've got a genuine following whereas i don't just want someone who's seen a video once maybe because it's popped off and someone subscribed but they've not really came back since it's just adding out the numbers i want to make sure i've got a platform whether it's lower than other people i don't mind as long as i've got a solidified amount of viewers uh, that's the main thing for me so yeah social media is massive I think the meme culture in Formula One is like is nothing like any other sport and I see people tweet that like would you see this in any other sport it's like you really really wouldn't like reaction memes are my favorite I've got a whole folder of them on my phone I use them at any possibility they're so good you can just make the funniest things so we actually got an F series video coming up probably shouldn't say it which is something to do with reaction memes we're going to play a little game of them because They're just they're top notch. And I think we can make the funniest video out of it. So we're going to try and take what we would normally do on Twitter, put it into a video and then hopefully people like that.
0: Well, if you don't mind, we'll probably wait until around Christmas after the season's over to do a version of that ourselves. If you don't mind us plagiarizing off of a successful brand. (laughs) There you go, Courtney, on the Instagram page, Courtney, because you managed that. You have to put it out to people, and I'll do the Twitter one just to uh, send me, send us the best F1 memes you can come up with, and hopefully we'll just have to react to the best of them.
1: T- I'll tell you what, I know some of the people that follow, and particularly, again, your brother, your brother will be sending me, you'll be spamming me with stuff, because uh, Luke was a bit obsessed with, uh, this is how you know a role, Kira, right? We're, we're talking Canada 2011. We're Bye. still talking about... Um. We're still talking about some of the things that happened then, so that's how you know we're old. We yeah. go that far back.
0: <laughs> I mean, for context, Kira, I'm I'm gonna have a I'm gonna take a shot in the dark. Do you know what part my brother would have sent me in terms of the meme content for Canada twenty eleven in that race?
2: Oh, I don't know, because there was loads of it. It was a mess yeah i don't know i won't
0: even know well there's two uh there was okay. one that people will remember and it's a short video and I'll, I'll forward it to you on twitter after we've done yeah um there's one of the marshals i think it was like a, i can't remember what the crash was i think uh, there was a safety car coming out and one of the marshals was trying to recover debris after turn two and he'd f- tripped over and falling over on the circuit. And then Nick Highfeld's coming in the BMW and he's trying to dive out of his way and he falls over again. So it's that oh, one. Oh, I know what you mean,
2: yeah. And then there's
0: the second one because obviously in Canada, they obviously have a lot of the celebrities that go out there like they do in the US. And I think Rihanna was at this particular race and she was walking through the paddock when uh, during another safety car period. And there was a cameraman walking backwards to film her because obviously everyone wants to see Rihanna and he's fallen yeah. over whilst he's recording. Those are the two my brother sends me on a regular basis.
1: Ten on. Ten yeah. years off and
2: still get it's it iconic though, isn't it? I mean, people talk about it even on Twitter nowadays, you know, it, it gets brought up every now and then, especially when it's like the uh the anniversary. You know? oh, yeah, it, it does its loops.
0: It's not even about the recovery of Jensen Button or trying to or no. passing Vettel on the last lap to win the race from the back of the field. No, it's purely the the meme content more than anything else. I said, Do you even know what happened to Lewis Hampton in the races? I said, Don't care. It's not as funny.
2: It wasn't the man falling over, so No,
0: absolutely. Although he did get put in a wall, so you know. The lesson, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a very, that must have been a strange day in the McLaren paddock on that day, but uh, yeah, um, I was trying to think the next thing that was on my list. That I wanted to mention on the on Formula E, actually, I think we go back to that briefly before we go into the Formula One stuff. Yeah. Um, what have you made? What did you make of the final race of the season? Because I was watching it, and I'm not, I'll be admit, I'm not the biggest Formula E fan, I go in and out of it, but I do keep an eye on what's going on in the series. And yeah. Obviously we had the big battle that was being set up with Mitch Evans, Edward Motara Mortara, and of course Nick DeVries. And then literally at the start of the race, the two of them go, obviously Mortara drives into the back of Mitch Evans off the start. And I mean, that must have been absolutely crazy. What what was that like for you? Because I know you were quite emotional on social media about it. It
2: it oh, I can't even describe. It. We have never seen a car just not starting Formula E like it's just not what you see if you go to Formula 2 you're going to see it pretty much every race you know they had the clutch issue a couple of years ago it's still kind of lingering around but Formula E you just don't see it the cars will just go so to have Mitch Evans stall at the start I just remember seeing it and I was like oh my god and then like two seconds later someone's into the back of him and a lot of the, a lot of the liveries look very similar this year for Formula E and I was thinking oh my gosh is that who I think it is is that the Venturi and it's just I can't even describe to you how weird it is to think that that's the two people that were in for this championship the most. Like I love Nick DeVries and I'd back him, but I think that this was Mitch's probably to get. So to see that happen was just I, I just I just can't describe it. I've never seen that before. Obviously we see chaos in Formula E, but I think because we've never seen it so tight to the end of the championship like this before it's like the only two drivers that were involved, Im- like were involved with the ones in the championship so that was crazy and then to see jake dennis have a i think he must have had a car issue i haven't actually seen any like final um review from bmw but to see then a couple of laps later jake dennis into the wall who's was the one that probably then might have taken the title it was it was the the worst luck for them guys ever um I would have liked to have obviously not seen that. You don't want to see anybody crash out, but then obviously it was kind of smooth sailing from Nick then. And it was good to kind of just watch Nick get up there. I'm a bit I'm a big Nick DeFries fan. I've backed him when people wouldn't. So um, it was nice to see him hold on. Even then he was he was sending moves he really shouldn't have done. I was like, you need to just slow down. We don't need to do this today. Um, but it was crazy it was crazy but it was the most Formula E finish to anything ever like it was it was kind of as expected in a way it's Formula E it's crazy
0: yeah I mean if you wanted to try and sell Formula E to someone that had never seen a race before and I remember back when they did the first race I think when Nick Heifeld and uh, I think it was Alan Prost's son that had a big collision in that first race and I thought that it's just chaos it's like bumper cars on steroids or something but literally that is probably a fair assessment it is just complete chaos and You know, obviously they get VIPs to drive these cars if you're lucky enough to obviously get in one. They always say if you break it, you buy it. And then you think, well, that's pretty strange considering that, you know, obviously it's a sport that's meant to be about renewable resources and all of the other stuff that goes with it, with the event. And the barriers obviously take them from circuit to circuit. But then you see the drivers literally throwing all caution to the wind and just trying to take each, well, not take each other out, but just constantly driving into each other and putting each other in the wall. I mean, that's pretty mental as a fantasy, Hmm. but I'm not going to lie. I absolutely love it. I don't know about you.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's kind of like, it's that, it's that series. Like if that series was like Formula One, then you'd just be watching the same thing twice. It's quite nice to see a series, which is a little bit silly in a way, but yeah, they, they're always, they don't care whether their front wings touch the back of the other car. And I think if you look at the, if you get damage on a Formula One car, it will affect everything about your car, whereas informally, e, it's not as crucial. so you're you are able to get that a little bit closer. You're able to touch each other, you're able to have that contact because you know you could be running around with half a broken front wing or front nose, whatever, but you're you kind of drive fine. like you just do informally, e. nothing really can affect your car. The amount of times we see a wheel cover off doesn't matter. So I think that's kind of why they know that they've not got too much you know things that could go wrong. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the amount of cameras they must break in like front noses and rears, like the cameras break every single weekend in every single car. It must be very expensive.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So I definitely don't want to be the accountant working there, although if they are looking for one, I'm available. So <laughs> <laughs> but um, of course, you know, we, we talked about Nick DeFries and, you know, the topic of Formula One, inevitably was always going to come up when he was, uh, well, officially recognized as the first official Formula E world champion. Obviously, strange that it's been there for so many seasons and now it's a finally recognized as a world championship. And then at the same time, Mercedes turn up and win. Um, you know, nothing ever, or ch- well, something's always stay the same. But Nick DeVries, Formula One, of course, he had a great F2 career, F2 champion uh, a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, there have been links to the Williams team, of course, with the technical partnership they have with Mercedes. It seems inevitable that that could be a route for Nick De Vries. Do you think he could end up in Formula One next season in the Williams team?
2: I'd love to think so. I think um, there's been some rumours that, well, I'm not really sure about them. There's been some rumours that Mercedes may leave... Formula E at the end of this year. However, Stoffel then kind of contradicted that to say see you next year. So I'm hoping that they aren't going anywhere. But Toto has been very vocal to say that I, you know, he wants Van Dorn and de Freese within Formula One. So I think that if anyone can do it, Toto Wolf can do it. You know, we saw how he placed Esteban Ocon. He has got the power to put someone wherever he wants to, like George Russell into that Williams. Obviously, he was very much deserving of that. But I think Toto's just got that power over the paddock. So I think if anyone can do it. Definitely, Toto. I think he's Nick is in for a very good shot of this. I think this title solidifies it. I think he was very unlucky after the F two season. I think a lot of people really bashed that twenty nineteen season for being one with. There's no competitive people in there. It was kind of a lack year. But honestly, at the end of the day, it. it, I don't think it was. I think you're just just because the rookies that came up weren't as strong as other years. I think that's why people think it's a you know a slower year or whatever. So. Yeah, he was unfortunate to be dropped from McLaren the year he won the F2 Championship. And then obviously he took his route to Formula E, which I think was a really big thing, because I think a lot of people had never seen somebody on such a high in a junior series then take the route of Formula E. Most people saw it as the dumping ground. So for him to do that, I think, pushed up Formula E a lot. But now he's got this championship, he's either going to stay in Formula E again or he will hopefully probably push himself over to Formula One. I don't mind either way. But now for the first came out, I was like, mm, not sure about this, but like, fuck it. But now I'm thinking, no, I think this is a great option for them. Like, no, no.
0: Yeah, no, no, I absolutely agree. I think it shouldn't be one, it shouldn't really, you know, turn our noses up at something like that. I think Nick De Vries is, you know, when he won the F2 Championship, he was competing up against some really good drivers, some of which are in Formula One today, the likes of Mazepin, Latifi, Schumacher, of course. Um, so, it shouldn't be looked down on as a year where there weren't much talent in there at all. I think that's quite an unfair assessment that some people have had on Nick De Vries. And he's obviously been successful in every series that he's mm-hmm. been in. Yeah. So there's no reason in my mind why he can't make it in Formula One. I feel like perhaps that is the inevitable next step for him. Courtney, obviously, yeah. you know, we talked about Nick De Vries in our transfer story video the other week. Um, now that he's won the Formula E World Championship, do you think that that is also perhaps the next step for him to get into Formula One with Williams?
1: No, I agree. I I think it'd be really good if he does get into Formula One because I think it would give Formula E more credibility and it would the calibre of drivers going into Formula E would obviously become better because if they don't make it into Formula One through F two, obviously in the way that Nick DeFries you know, wasn't able to do it. If they were to realise that, you know, if we go into Formula E and we do well there, we can get into F one, that will make the quality of the racing better and it will help it will help Formula E. Going forward, I think I, I think going forward, Formula E can develop into being a like more exciting sport for the general audience. And I think having better drivers will help that. I think if you have like high-profile drivers, I think well, we saw Felipe Massa rather a go at it, didn't we? Mm. And like, I think that would have given the sport some more some more attention. Um, but I think I think if Nick Reese does go from Formula E into Formula One, it will help Formula E massively.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it needs a story like that because I think, as you said, Kira, you you rightly said, Formula E is definitely not a dumping ground, but it's also probably fair to say that Formula E has not had the best of times when losing a driver, say like Alex Albon a few years ago, who was meant to be in Formula E. And of course, he went to Toro Rosso when that happened. And a few Formula One drivers that have dropped into Formula E have been drivers that have either lost their drive and have had a long career or they just want to do something in their older age. Obviously, Formula E needs a story like someone like Nick DeVries winning the championship and then going into Formula One as if it could potentially be not necessarily a feeder series, but a series where drivers can go into if they feel that they still want to go into Formula One and then eventually do well there. And then, of course, impress suitors in that sport as well. But um, obviously on the subject of Formula E, I should probably ask, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on, because you mentioned Mercedes potentially might be leaving, but of course, Audi and BMW also pulling out as well. Is that something that Formula E should be worried about long term? Or do you feel that perhaps this is more down to some brands who perhaps just don't, or are not necessarily in it for the right reasons? They're more about, concerned about the marquee market exposure that they probably thought Formula E came with?
2: Yeah, it's really difficult to kind of pinpoint. I mean, I've not looked into too much as to what Audi's reasonings were well or BMW's, but I think it's quite good that andretti are staying so they're going to carry on as bmw basically so that's kind of good um it it when it was a big shock i think when we saw audi's name pulling out audi have been there you know word go and they are one of the people you think of when you think of Formula E. so um it's a shame but i don't think it should affect the series obviously the mercedes thing if that's still looming that's going to be a big thing but i'm I really hope they don't. I mean, it was just it was from Autosport, which obviously are very credible. Um, but obviously, let's hope that that doesn't happen because I would love to see Mercedes stay. I think when Mercedes and Porsche came in, it was like, wow, this championship's really you know kicking alive. And now two years later, it's like, ah, everyone's leaving. I don't you know the ins and outs of it. I've kind of purposely not really looked at it, um, but I just hope that you know Audi stepping away doesn't affect anything and maybe another team might come in you never know what other teams might want to step into this championship so um yeah it's a shame that i be leaving because i do love them but um it's what it is we see it in most yeah no i certainly hope
0: so and I think what's important. Obviously, there are some potential suitors looking at joining Formula. E. We've heard stories about McLaren in the past, perhaps expanding into that. Um, even Ferrari have even mentioned that they might be interested in going to Formula E. I think what it's important is how it relates to the road car industry, and obviously how their brand can be attributed to that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Ferrari are probably thinking that well, we can try it, but. It's only going to be if we need to put our cars in something. So I think Mercedes are doing a great job there. I really hope that they don't decide to pull out because I think their brand and the size of it because of their success in Formula One that I think is obviously the stock has risen massively. It's important to have figures like that in the sport to help Formula E continue to grow because it is growing. It's by far from the finished article, but we have seen tangible progress from former reasons, where we were in season one, when people were mocking it as like scale electrics on steroids, you know, pardon the pun, but it's so much better than that now. Um, Mm -hmm. As long as they keep the chaos, I'm all for it. But uh, yeah, I'll keep the chaos. But, you know, on the subject of Formula One, um, because I'm quite intrigued to get your thoughts on this season so far, Kira, but in terms of the overall landscape for women in motorsport, do you feel that overall that's improved for women in terms of uh, access to Formula One?
2: I think so. I think there's a lot of routes that are, you know, coming about. I think the FIA girls track thing is, that they're doing is really good. Um, I think they're pushing it a lot with schools. I think F1 are doing, you know, F1 in school. That's been really good. I think as well, social media opening up and I think lockdown as well kind of made people stop and think and have a little look a little bit more. I think, um, I remember Jenny Gao done a lot of webinars where she had a lot of female presenters on or social media. So I think that was good. I think just another area that needs to be pushed a little bit more, which is difficult because there's not many that you can see on your TV screen are like the engineer roles, the strategist roles, all that type of thing because I think you don't see too many people you know I can think of a couple like Ruth Buscombe I can think of um Hannah at Red Bull so there's only a few that I can really pick up on that are really like on the pit wall uh because obviously you can see the people that are in PR comms presenting that's the main place where you see a female so it'd be nice if we could push that a little bit more within like engineering or something like that but I think I think it's pushing in the right direction but I think we're being pushed females are pushing females I think there needs to be more change from the top but there needs to be more change from the men at the top to really push into it for it to really take full effect because us females can shout and shout and shout and we can back each other very well there's only so far it's going to go so I think once we get a little bit more support I think from people higher up like some men higher up I think it will go really far but yeah I think there's definitely more female representation than there was you know a couple of years ago and I see it more on my tv screen so hopefully that helps some younger people or some younger girls looking up wanting to get into it.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that because, of course, we've seen a lot of change for the better in other areas as well. Of course, with the you know the improvements in diversity for people with different sexual orientations, or uh, you know Black Lives Matter and everything else that comes with that. And of course, it's important to remember that we are still needing to continue to push for women to have an increased involvement in sport as well. Because, like you said, there are so many engineering roles, for example, that and and that have really gone unnoticed, other than a few you know selective. Um, members in the paddock that have obviously you know been very much celebrated for the right reasons And of course there are so many that obviously go under the radar that obviously we should be trying to push and celebrate just to encourage the next generation of women that obviously may feel that certain doors like that are closed to them or they have no idea of how to get into that sort of thing that they can be inspired by those characters and obviously be able to take similar steps or perhaps go their own way in that field so I definitely definitely uh, encourage that and endorse that hopefully when F1 sorts of reviews their diversity process that they can, you know, make sure that they're not, you know, whilst they're doing a lot of good things in other areas that they're not forgetting about women as well, because that hasn't gone away. That's still a thing. I mean, we were talking earlier in this episode about how F1 in the past was often seen as the uh, gentleman's club back in the old Max Mosley, Bernie Eccleston days. You'd never think to see a woman in a paddock unless she was holding a big sign with a driver's number wearing nothing than a one piece. So, it, it's it's grown so much from those days, but obviously there's so much work I imagine that needs to continue to happen in order to get to a situation where everybody is happy with the level of equality in the sport. Because in the end, that's all we want, isn't it?
2: Yeah, that's all we want. I think we just want females to be recognised for what they do. Um, and I just feel like we just need a little bit more support. I think that's what it is. But I think it, it's, go- it's getting there. I mean, it depends on who you speak to. I think you've got a lot of people... That pick up on certain things that probably i wouldn't i think some people are very um very much a feminist i think i probably turned more into a feminist since i've been in motorsports i think i understand misogyny you know i've experienced it myself it, even with top brands and top companies you wouldn't expect misogyny for from you will get casual misogynistic behaviors within them that they don't realize they're doing and i think probably from that that's made me realize a little bit more uh this is probably happening to so many women that you know maybe even be in that paddock Um, But, yeah, I think there just needs to be a little bit more push from the top and then you know a little bit more drive and a little bit more going into it like I think the thing that Ferrari and the FAA done where they were trying to get a first female into the FDA was great and obviously they got Maya I can't say Maya's last name Maya Wang Maya Wang. I always get told I say it wrong um which was great so I think seeing something like that which was put on such a big scale and everybody knew about it I think more like that needs to be done I think more push needs to be done that these things are happening and then hopefully the female representation will grow
0: Yeah absolutely agree Um, and I'm glad you mentioned Maya because I'm not gonna lie I'm a huge Ferrari fan and that one caught me by surprise I had no idea that they were doing something like that and you know what I thought it's crazy that no one's thought of doing this before so no good for them to do it and hopefully the others decide to incorporate similar programs there's definitely a scope to introduce more opportunities for women drivers who may feel that opportunities are not available to them I mean I'll give you an example from my background when I was growing up and I first got into karting when I was about seven or eight years old, as most people do when they try to get into racing. I think of all the times I'd competed in racing up to now I was about 16. I must've raced against over a thousand guys. I only ever remember racing against one woman. And it's crazy because when she first turned up, I think it was an event in Essex and She competed in this championship with us. And the rest of the guys were, you know, some of us were like 13, 14 years of age. It was a bit surprising. We weren't sure what to do. And some people were saying things like, oh, okay, we might want to be careful with her because she might be a bit dangerous or she might not know what she's doing. But I tell you what, she was bloody quick. She was quicker than the majority of the guys Mm -hmm. that were there. And she came to race. And the weirdest part is she must, I don't know if she felt uncomfortable because Obviously, I was very young, so you can only talk to someone so much about these things because you're young, you're naive, you don't really know much about it, especially if you're a boy in that regard. You, you can't put yourself in a woman's shoes at all. Um, it, it, if she felt nervous or worried about being in that environment, but she was completely ruthless. And I'll tell you what, it, it very much impressed me more than most of the guys I competed with. And I'm not just saying that for the sake of it. Like I do think that there are so many women that want to get into racing or they enjoy racing and they feel put off by the idea of turning up to a paddock where they may end up being the only girl there. The reality mm. is they could be the best one and you could see them in the W Series or Formula One one day. Um, I mean, for you, do you feel that perhaps from the, the ground up at grassroots level, they need to look at more ways to introduce or uh, encourage young women to not think that motorsport is just for boys?
2: Absolutely. I think that just picking up on W Series, I think what they've got there is great because they are funding women that couldn't otherwise. And I would love to see, and this is not putting pressure on W Series, I think if anything it should put pressure on maybe people that have more money, like somebody within Formula 1 and in Formula 1 Vesta. maybe somebody like that should do a similar thing to W Series, but take it even lower because great, we've got this you know, pool of W Series drivers, but are there any more females coming up? Do they have the funding to get past the karting stage? Because you can't just jump into a, it's basically a Formula Regional car. You can't just jump into that on the Formula One scale, you know, on their calendar. You can't just do that. So I'd like to hope that there's more focus on some females a little bit lower down. Obviously, I don't know what the karting scene is like. I'm sure that there's probably not too many females in there, unfortunately. But I'd like to see something, some sort of initiative get taken down a step even lower. Like W Series, I could rave about it all day long. I think it's great what they're doing. I want to see something lower as well, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, in addition to that, I think what's the next step? Because a lot of people can talk about and set on praise, someone like Jamie Chadwick, for example, who's part of the Williams Driver Academy, and that's great. And we think, okay, well, where's the transition from W Series, which she's already won herself in her own right, to Formula One? Because you naturally would assume Formula 3, then Formula 2, then Formula 1. But for me, I just feel that that bridge is not so clear as it may seem on paper.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that probably didn't make it too clear was the fact that Jamie done another year in W Series. I think a lot of people after the first series anticipated she would move over to F3, but I think she thought she needed another year. Obviously, she has got Alice Powell right on her, who has done GP3 before. So Alice has been in that single-seater experience with all the men before. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with... I mean, I, I've i said that I think it's either going to be Jamie or Alice to get this championship. So I think they're both on very different paths and it'll be interesting to see what Alice does. So I think Jamie's got more backing than Alice, definitely. And obviously that's financially and that's also, you know, with other people around her. But I would like to see whether, I think it doesn't matter how old you are. I think Alice would probably still rather step up to F. T- three maybe because I think basically it's difficult to understand because I think a lot of people think oh it's W Series it's not really in like the list of feeder but it is, it's on a level with Formula Regional, so the cars are there, so you would think that the step up afterwards would be to F3, so whoever wins this championship, I really want to see them go there, just so it solidifies the point of this is the, Mm -hmm. you know, the way up, because if I see someone that wins this, and then they can't take themselves up any further, or maybe they just have to drop themselves down to a championship that you wouldn't expect them to go to after W Series, it would really take the series, but they get a good budget from that, I think from that they'll get some good sponsors afterwards, and I hope that they can then fund a series and fund a whole season in f3 but the the price is going up so much every year it's it's difficult it really is because they're still gonna have to find so much more money afterwards and so much more sponsors so as much as w series gives such a good amount of money comparing it to how much you need it's quite difficult
0: yeah no, you're absolutely right. And I think Josh Revel yeah. uh, did a really, really good video illustrating the the cost gap between getting to karting versus getting to Formula One. You need million, millions and millions of pounds that a lot of these drivers don't have, especially the women drivers, because they haven't got the brand exposure or the opportunities that a lot of the male drivers have. Um, Courtney, you, you made a good point the other day to me, um, uh, just just in general. Like You said to me that, The W Series obviously is doing a lot for women in motorsport, but the biggest fear is that if we don't have a woman driver in Formula One in the next decade or so, it could just be seen as a series that is just to keep women happy in motorsport rather than actually give off that there is a drive and incentive to move women into sport, into Formula One. Do you still feel that way or do you feel that perhaps um, there are other opportunities for them elsewhere?
1: I think the fact that it's become a part of the race weekend. I think it's uh it's definitely a great step forward. But getting a little bit deep here, I think the biggest problem I've always had with Formula One is that it is. I thought it is an elitist sport. It always seems to be. It's it's not primarily about talent. It's always about you know rich, rich relatives, you know, funding from, from an early age. And I, I think that we've missed out on so many talented people from various different backgrounds, whether it be, um, whether it be obviously, wealth, gender, race. I, and I, I think that we've had some great races. I wouldn't take away anything that we've experienced with Formula 1, but I think we've missed out on so much talent because there's such a small pool of drivers that can come in. I think, okay, first of all, I think Formula 1... I think there needs to be more teams in it. I think there's, there's too many, uh, you know, good young drivers that are missing out, and then that 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 problems sort of seeps further down. So then the opportunity for women to go into the feeder series, they don't get as many opportunities in that either. So I just think Formula One, has, they really do need to have a look at themselves, really, and um, and look at how inclusive they are, because you know Lewis has done a lot with you know getting people involved, you know, from like working class backgrounds, for example, but whether it be class, race or gender, I just think, yeah, too many, too many good people are missing out based on their backgrounds, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And Esteban Ocon's a great example for that. Obviously, you know, coming from the sacrifices his parents made and everything that came with that and the difficulties he had in his career to now being the latest winner in Formula One. So it definitely can happen if you've got the talent and the drive and the work effort, you can make it regardless of who you are or where you come from, etc. And there's so many great stories, I think, that are being missed out. Um, Kira, obviously, I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question on this one. I think you've probably had it asked you a few times before, but do you think we may see another woman driver in Formula 1 in the next decade? Because I think since Leila Lombardi in the late 70s, we haven't really had one. So do you think that's possible?
2: I think... If any time is right, it's now. I think the W Series stage is really good. But again, the prime the, the answer I'm going to give is it depends on whether the female can get the money. And that's literally the only thing it's going to come down to. Because I could pick at least half of the grid on W Series, which I think could easily make them way up in terms of their talent. There's so many drivers, especially this year, compared to um, 2019, there's even more talent. So I would love to say yes, but it's whether they can get the backing and it's whether they can get the support from Formula One to make themselves up. But in terms of talent, yes. But in terms of every other aspect that seems to come into motorsport, it really depends on the people. And
1: that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, we've had a, a couple of women drivers competing Formula 3 and Formula 2. I can remember Tatiana Calderon, Sophia Flerch, you know, very, very good drivers who did more than just hold their own against their male counterparts. They did a really, really good job in those series, representing women, of course, but they did have some level of support to help them get there. And I think that is important. As you said, Kira, they do need that financial support that almost every single driver that has gotten into Formula 1 has had one way or another. They've all got their own story. Um and women do need that as well. Absolutely agree. And who knows, we may see a huge influx of that, which will allow a generation of women like Jamie Chadwick and Alice Powell to end up in the 4 nine grid. I don't think there's a doubt of their talent. They just need to be, have an opportunity to prove their worth. And that is the critical factor.
2: And I think that there are a lot of females that aren't actually just in W Series that I could pick up on, like Abby Pulling, there's Amna Alkabesi, Hamda Alkabesi. So they're kind of names that are in lower formulas like F4 that are coming up from, you know, obviously they're in the, uh, Amna and Hamna are in the UAE, Abby's in Britain, and Abby's done a couple of um, W Series races in which she's done so well. So I think as much as we look at W Series, these females could come up a different way. They might not go to W Series, we might get, you know, an actual female that will step up in the way that the men have, um, which I also think would be really good. So there are some hanging around that are doing really well. Abby's doing amazing um, in the championship. So hopefully they make it. Hopefully one of them yeah. makes it at least.
0: No, absolutely. But there, are, of course there are other avenues if they want to pursue them, like IndyCar, yeah. like be the next Danica Patrick or like what Abby Eaton did. She was obviously the tame race driver for the Grand Tour, which I don't think a lot of people knew until they revealed that, that who it was. And they thought, oh, hold on. I like watching the Series racing. I'll recognise from the Grand Tour. And it's like, it, you know, they, there is, the talent is there. You've just got to yeah. give them the opportunity to prove that. Um, but moving on, of course, to the Formula One World Championship at the moment, Kira. Obviously, the big question that no one likes to dip their toes into. But what have you made of this season so far? And in particular, the battle between Max and Lewis?
2: Yeah, I think it's been really good. I think it's been what we've been missing for the last couple of years. I think Red Bull have been creeping up for the past two or three years and I think we kind of knew they were going to get there. Whether they were going to get there before the regs, I don't think we thought. I think, oh, Mercedes will have another year and then the new regs might spice things up. But Red Bull really came to play this year and fair play to them. I think it's been a great battle. I think obviously we had that moment at Silverstone which kind of tainted it a little bit and I think, I think I'm safe to say that Red Bull kind of were quite immature afterwards and it was a shame because it was an incident that probably, sh- well, we know shouldn't have happened, but I think the way that they've been dealing with it after that Helmo and Christian's comments, I mean, they don't surprise me, but it's, I don't, I don't agree. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think the championship's been really good, been really entertaining. We've had some random wacky races like Baku and Hungary, which we don't always get. Sometimes we'll get one of them so we have had a couple of them this year. My memory isn't the greatest, to be honest with you. I'm not very good at remembering races, but as soon as I watch it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, so, yeah, I think if I think of the season overall, I think it's been really good. And I think hopefully this battle goes – I don't know if I want it to the end. I don't know if my heart can take it all the way to the end because I remember 2016 and that was very difficult. So oh. I don't know if I want it to go <laughs> right to the end, but <laughs> maybe like – 2016
1: it. didn't happen. 2016. No, did <laughs> <It didn't. laughs>
0: well yeah they had uh, a year yeah. off yeah they did yeah I think well yeah Lewis Hamilton fans remember that a bit differently to most others well my brother certainly do you know what he sends me on a regular basis the Rosberg bursting in flames meme and oh my it, gosh it's yeah. so
2: iconic that could be in the meme battle we were talking about earlier That's I mean so
0: absolutely I mean it literally has unlimited potential that Rosberg's meme as soon as something is over or something is that I'm waiting for it to make a comeback because I don't think I've seen it since uh the pandemic and I think is F1 over. I think we actually used that as... Didn't we use it as a thumbnail once, Courtney? We
1: did. Well, you you chose to. I didn't have a choice in the matter. Yeah, my creativity
0: <laughs> skills have improved a lot more since then. I think, Kiri, you can relate as a creator, yeah. obviously, how you come into it fresh. You have no idea about editing or thumbnail making or anything, and you just learn so much yeah. on the job that learn you look at job. your... Yeah, you look at your old content, and you think, oh, my God, did I actually make that yeah. so, you know, yeah. consciously? But um, I think my favorite one was one like the rossberg meme but i put a face mask in front of him as i think we were talking about covid obviously how it would affect the f1 season of course but that was back in march 2020 so obviously we only we were speculating about how it was going to be but uh, i'm still proud of that one despite the fact that i've improved a lot i'm still proud of that one um i mean is there any particular that, of your older ones that you're proud of
2: what my videos
0: or either one con- uh, thumbnails or videos oh. that you look back on compared to where you are now
2: Oh, do you know what? I'm not, I'll put my hands up and say I'm not the most creative and I don't enjoy editing that much. I don't enjoy thumbnails too much. Um, I know a lot of people love it. They love getting into it. I just, I think a lot of the time, I think because the volume of content I need to get out is high, I don't have time to be like, let's sit on a thumbnail for three hours. So there's nothing I like. I think recently, probably in the last couple of months, I think I've understood how to do my thumbnails a little bit better I think I used to just do a standard thing which just wasn't great and I think I, I've now been looking at other people a little bit more and seeing how I can do it but yeah I, li- I looked back at my so I've done a tier list last year and this year which was like an f2 review video um so I put all the drivers in the tier list and were like rating in the season so far and I looked back at my video from last year how I edited it compared to this year and my god I was like wow you've actually stepped up ridiculously too much I mean I was screen recording this tier list and half the tier list wasn't even in the screen recording I don't know what I done and I just shoved it onto my video and it, w- it was awful i don't know how anybody watched that last year but to think it's only in like one year that i have now got you know a graphic i use Pro more, which i still don't overly like um and yeah i just feel like there's nothing in particular that i've done before i think i remember probably this time last year i think it was actually my nick defree should be in formula one video which i think was about a year ago where i started you should to recycle re- that i know <laughs> i'm 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 posting it everywhere don't you worry um <laughs> That was the first video where I brought my own um, backdrop to then put a picture on. So every time I I put a picture in a video, I will have my background on it. So I have like a grey and a lilac. And I think that was the first video I used it on and I was using more graphics. And I remember that one and I was like, this looks so good. Why have I not done this before? So I think that's probably the pinpoint for me where I started editing a little bit better, a little bit more professionally and a little bit more... Uh, forward focus they're a bit more my brand because I want to make sure everything matches that's like a big thing for me I want it to look like oh you know that's Kira's. um so that's probably the the, the the thing that I pinpoint the most but I think it's just been a progressive thing it's like you're getting better, so you're getting better. you're still not quite the best I'll put my hands up but it's okay I don't yeah use it yet.
0: no I absolutely agree I, th- I think it's funny because I learn half the stuff that I do when it comes to making thumbnails and stuff like this I learn off of watching old videos from Matt and Miss. And oh, yeah. he does some crazy stuff with Mate. graphics. Like, nuts. if it was possible for me to hire him for free just to make all my stuff, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be fantastic. It'd be the absolute dream. Um, That's great. But yeah, he really is good. next level on that stuff. But obviously, um, with the Formula One stuff, just going back to that briefly, of course, obviously we talked about uh, Lewis Hamilton and Max. Um, can I push you for a prediction on how you think the rest of the seasons go? Are you going to be Team LH still? Or do you think Max this season may... Get his own back in the second half and come out on top in uh, Abu Dhabi or Jeddah, depending on where we finish.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, what people have got to remember is Lewis Hamilton will always shine at the second half of the season. So hopefully that form stays. I'm, I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan. I will back Lewis Hamilton for the championship. Um, I've always said that after he gets his eighth, I then don't care who wins afterwards. And obviously we're not at the eighth yet. So I am still back him this year. Um, I think it's difficult because I think Max has been very unlucky and Max should really theoretically probably be leaving the championship I think Lewis has had bad luck Max has had bad luck but I think Max has had slightly more bad luck so technically I think he should be up but he's not and that's the way Formula 1 goes you could look at 2016 and think well you know Nico didn't have any problems so that's just the way that motorsport goes and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out I think it's going to be tight I don't know whether Mercedes are going to bring any more upgrades or not. That's the thing. That's the thing that I think I've spoken about before. I want them to, I still want them to bring upgrades. I don't want them to give up this year because I want to see a battle and I want to see, I don't want it to be given to Red Bull because they're upgrading and and Mercedes aren't. Do you know what I mean? But I think that they're going to bring little things. They're definitely not going to bring as much as they normally do. Um, so I, I'll back Lewis, but it's going to be tight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I must say I reckon the next couple of races is going to be interesting. Because Max has two own races, effectively they're going to mm. be out in force um, in Belgium. So we're we mm. going to, we're going to,
0: yeah, Belgium then Zandvoort,
1: Belgium then Zandvoort, and Zandvoort. Belgium and Zandvoort yeah. yeah, yeah. So the next, I think the next two races are going to be critical. But yeah. I think Lewis is going to get a lot of stick. I just hope the Dutch fans behave because I remember a couple of years ago when Lewis had a um, high speed crash at Spa, and the Dutch fans were cheering. Mm. I think that's a little unsavoury. So I'm hoping that they do behave. Able... I think one of the promoters for the Dutch Grand Prix is actually like asked for them to behave, wow. and I really hope that's the case because yeah. I think like it's it's good to have the rivalry, but I think like sometimes when we see in football, this goes that step too far, and I have seen with his fan with Max's fan base a couple of times they have gone too far with it, so mm. I am hoping that they do behave when it comes to the next couple of races because you want you want to see that battle, but they all they, I don't know some of them just seem to take it a bit too far sometimes.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, well, that's sport for you, unfortunately. There are always going to be those that uh, go a bit too extreme. Um, I mean, I've got no problem sometimes with people cheering when a driver makes a mistake, but when it results in a high-speed crash like that or something, you know, you don't want to see, then there's a limit because no one wants to cheer for someone that's had a 250-kilometer-an-hour crash or something crazy like that, or um, no one wants to endorse the level of abuse that Lewis Hamilton got after the British Grand Prix, which was completely unfair and has no place in the sport. And as you pointed out, Kira, even though red bull were considered the victims in that incident they it was hard to be on their side after the way that they reacted and um i am hopefully they they will think twice about that in the future um obviously i'm, I'm mindful of time because i don't want to keep you too much longer but before we do go and wrap this up kira um i've asked a few people that have appeared on this show uh this kind of question because of the rivalry between Toto wolf and christian horner has yeah. com- massively intensified into almost um more than just a subplot in all of this, it's almost become the main event, really, and Hamilton <laughs> versus Verstappen has become the subplot in it. But who would win in a charity boxing match between Christian Horner and Toto Wolf?
2: I think Toto... Toto's just got the reach and the height on him, you know? I think Christian would just have to go for, like body shots but I think Toto could probably like yeah probably could get him so I just think Christian's just so much smaller than him so I don't think he's really got a chance so I would say Toto the Wolf probably sorry Christian
0: no do you know what no one has said Christian Horner I mean I tried to say he might have a bit of like a Rocky Marciano kind of vibe to him where he just sort of like just keeps going a bit scrappy do like (laughs) but I remember asking Matt Gallagher this and he just said to me like add Clearly, Toto. Have yeah. you seen have you not seen him when he was benching in uh, in the gym on Drive to Survive? I'm like, I know. That would yeah. terrify me, let alone what Christian would do, but I'm sure he'd have a go. I'm sure someone out there will think Christian Horner will win. I'll just have to keep asking the question until someone keep does. Keep
1: going. Keep going. Oh, no, Chris, though, no, what happened is if Christian Horner was saluted would keep on complaining until the uh until the result was overturned, yeah. that's
2: what he'd do. He yeah. goes to the stewards
0: straight away. <laughs> we'll just say Christian is for charity. Calm down, and then Doctor Helmet Marco. but Oh God knows, I don't even want to get into. <laughs>
2: he'd get involved. I mean, he'd be yeah. he'd be on the like the referee team, and he'd be like Toto, you're out straight away.
0: I'll be like, be like, out. yeah, it'd be like Rocky and Mick back in the old. That's got to be yeah. Well, that could work. I mean, I don't know if Rocco's still on the uh, team at Red Bull. I have to find out. But uh, yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, we'd have to say it's for charity just to get them to calm down or something like that. I mean, I. I can't remember if you guys uh, remember back um, when COVID was first a thing, and Dr. Helmut Marco said that he reckons Max Verstappen and Albon should get COVID just so they'd build up herd immunity from it. I'm like,
1: oh, oh are you I crazy? Don't know. that's crazy. He
2: said that's all nuts. the Red Bull juniors, he, yes. he said, let's put them all in a yeah. camp, and get, give them COVID. I'm like, oh, should we do that, really? Should we? Maybe we should put you in there instead.
0: Oh, God. He'd, Imagine what that would do.
2: Oh, he'd probably love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've heard of training camps of running up mountains and everything else that comes with it. But that is a completely new one. So uh, yeah, he certainly certainly comes out with uh, some interesting quotes, Dr. Helmut. And uh, yeah, he's certainly a character if I've ever heard of one. But uh, yeah, of course, you know, before we wrap this up, Kira, um, for those that haven't seen your content or the F series, where can our followers find you?
2: So you can find us mainly on Twitter and on YouTube. YouTube is um, just F series and will come up or my YouTube is just, you can put Kira Megan in or Kira Megan F1. Uh, Twitter, we are at F series underscore underscore. And on Twitter, I am at Kira Megan F1. Same as my TikTok. And then my Twitch is Kira Megan XX and my, so is my Instagram. So I've got two variations. But um, yeah, the main ones are my YouTube and my Twitter for Formula One
0: content. That's a lot going on there. No wonder you turned your notifications off. I know. (laughs) But guys, of course, if you're too lazy to do any of that, we will put the link in the description for Kira's channel and the F-Series in the description below. So make sure to check them out. And of course, make sure to like and subscribe to the content. Really, really great stuff. I definitely recommend it. But of course, Kira, thank you so much for appearing on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you.
2: No worries. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, guys, unfortunately, that is the final episode of this mini-series that we're doing. So please let us know if you are enjoying us interviewing and talking to some women content creators in motorsport. We will definitely want to continue this series going forward when we have a bit more gaps in the F1 calendar. But of course, our next episode is going to be focusing on the Belgian Grand Prix preview. Of course, we're going to be back for Formula One next weekend. Of course, this episode, when you hear it will be out on Sunday. So we do not have long left to wait until our favorite drivers and cars are back on track. Until then, guys, as always, if you have enjoyed this episode, please like the video and consider subscribing to the channel. We're very close to 500 subs. So if you can help us get there, we'd really appreciate that. And of course, if you are following us on your major podcasting platform, whichever one that is, please make sure to like, give us a follow. And of course, if you can give us a five star review, if you're going to do it, might as well do it for this one. because This has been a fantastic episode with Kira. And until next time, guys, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1F1 podcast. Take care.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.